Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Let's go to 1 John. Hold your place there. We'll probably get back to it. 1 John, like we did this morning. 1 John 2, verses 15 and 16. I won't take the time to get deeply into the lust of other things. Uh, I probably taught it in, in, others, in the lust of the flesh, other, other tapes on other tapes. We're just going to just very lightly skim over some of these things. In verse 15... We're told not to love the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, here's the lusts. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. Then over there in the next verse he said, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, the same does he reap. Where they got this business about eternal security, I'll never know or understand. I've actually heard people say, Well, I can live like the devil and still go to heaven. Try it. God's not mocked. He's not mocked. You're not going to live like the devil and then just say, well, I'm just, you know, going to just mosey right on into heaven somehow. Forget it. What a man sows, when you put tomato plants in your garden, that's what you get, tomatoes. He went on to say, he that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to his spirit shall of, his, of the spirit reap everlasting life, or life everlasting, or zoe. Now, you sowed to your spirit eternal life when you got born again. But now you have the same capacity within your spirit to reap all the blessings of eternal life while we live on this earth. To develop all the spiritual forces in our spirit so that all the things that pertain to life and godliness can be made manifest in us and through us now while we're here. And if you sow to the spirit spiritual things, you will of your spirit reap spiritual things or Zoe life and everything that pertains to Zoe life. Now, he said the world, this world, passeth away with all its lusts. Now, you can't tell me that you don't have any lust because you're in the world. And the reason why those things were picked out by the Lord Jesus Christ, the afflictions, the persecutions, the cares, and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things, is because they're here. You can't get away from them. They're here. Someone says, well, I don't want to have no more problem. Pray that I have no more problem with all these areas. Well, pray that you die. Then when you die, you won't have any more problem with them things. As long as you're on this earth, you're going to be confronted with them. What must I do? Learn to overcome. Learn to overcome. Develop the spiritual life in you far greater than that kind of life. Don't lust after the things that are in this world. It's an unhealthy, uncontrolled desire. Paul said in Philippians, the 12th chapter, if you want to turn to it, you may. uh, Let your lifestyle be with moderation. Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The word moderation means to avoid extremes of behavior. There's a lot of things Paul said that I could do. 
He says, but they're not profitable if I do them. It's not profitable unto me, nor you. We could just take off right here and preach probably for two to three hours just on the lust of the, of the flesh. I'll just give you an example of uh, somebody that has erred from the faith through the lusts of other things. The lust of other things. Now remember, don't get off into a tangent. Remember the purpose of the lust of other things is to get the word away from you and to give you a second frame of reference. Why do you think the Bible talks about a double-minded man? There are only you got two frames of references. You know, you could go to the word or you can go to the world. You can go to the word or you can go to the world. Now the devil wants to draw you into the second frame of reference, and it's a whole lot easier when you can see what you're going to. You go and say, What are you doing this morning? I'm taking my medicine. Where's the bottle? Oh, it's right here. I thought you said you were taking your medicine. I am, didn't you see? I didn't see it going to your mouth. Well, listen. By His stripes I am healed. I was healed. I'll always be healed. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet, I am healed. Didn't you see me take it? Now, you can go to the Word or you can go to the world. But don't get into condemnation. If you don't have the faith, if you're not walking and your faith is not developed in the Word of God as of yet... Don't feel bad about it. Continue in His Word. You'll get to a place that you won't have to ever go to the world for anything. His whole purpose of delivering them from Egypt, type of the world, was so that He could be to them a God. Isn't that right? He said, don't bring none of them witch doctors with you. That's what He said. He says, don't bring none of them people that are all the ways of that world, all the false gods and everything else that's, that's there. He said, just come and I'll be to you a God. You'll be to me a people and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Tell me a physician in this world that can take it away from the midst of you. Jesus of Nazareth is the only one. Let's go to 1 Timothy 6. The lust of other things, when they enter in, the cares, deceit, and lusts enter in to the Spirit. That's when the Word is choked. Now, it enters in, which we're going to see a little bit later on. It enters in the same way the Word enters in. And it's going to be up to what you do with the Word of God that determines whether or not you'll let the Word in or you'll let any of these five things that could come in and steal the Word from you. Look at the first Timothy 6 chapter. And let's begin reading. Well, let's start from the very first verse. Let as many as servants, many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. That the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despite them, because they are the brethren. They are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. Now, if any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions of stripes of words, whereof cometh envy... Strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men, of corrupt minds, underline that, and destitute of the truth, supposing that, now listen, gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. There's two frames of reference there. Godliness is great gain. 
But people could think that great gain is godliness. Just because you're prosperous does not mean you're godly. Just because all is going well in your life does not mean you're godly. There is deceit there. But you can be prosperous and still godly. He said over here, let's read the next, let's read it again. The latter part of that verse. Supposing that godliness is, or that gain is godliness, from such withdrawal thyself, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now he said previously to Timothy, he said, bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Having the promise of this now life, the life that now is, and of that which is to come. So godliness is profitable if your gain came by godliness. But if your gain came by any other means, and you're not using your gain for God's purpose, then you're on the other side of the fence. You've turned it around. You've got it backwards. And this is exactly what they did. Let's read on. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, with which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, coveted after, they have erred or been seduced from what? And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, it's the love. Paul was not writing this, but people use this here, passage of Scripture, to say that you shouldn't have anything. Let me say it to you like it is. Let me put it to you this way. If you do not have, and you could write this in the parable if you want, when you get to this area, the lust of other things, if you have problems in that area, you've got to learn to develop with inside your spirit, it's already there, self-control. The lust of other things just don't go away. You develop self-control. That's why he says, let your moderation be known in all men. You develop the spiritual force of temperance or self-control in your spirit, and you'll be able to be moderate in all things. In this area right here, I would rather say it like this. If you fall into error in the area of riches, then I would say, don't. There's two ways you could do things, friends. Number one, Jesus said, cut it off or don't do it. Cut it off from your life. Cut it off or be able to control it. That's why we've got this fruit of self-control. If, if you can't control yourselves when, you, when you've got a lot of money, and I'm not just going to say money, I'll say in the air, any area. Food, it doesn't matter. Any, any area where... Moderation has to be taken into consideration. Any area that self-control is needed in your life, no matter what that area is, if, if, it, if you cannot control it, then it has you in bondage. Some people are in bondage, let's say, to something like tobacco. They don't control that desire. They don't control that lust of other things. Consequently, they just want God to do something about it, like zap it away. In some cases, He has. In many cases... You're going to have to get it by yourself, by your own faith. You know why? Because you'll never grow and develop in your faith if you don't do it. You've got to learn to use the force that God has given you in your spirit to develop your faith. Develop self-control. 
You can allow the Spirit of God to work through you that way. So no matter what it is, I, I would say this. If you have a problem in this area, if you get to the point that when you get a little bit of money, you get a little bit covetous, then I would say put it under first and then believe God for whatever you need. I'll give you a better example. I played that guitar. And I didn't play it for Jesus before I got saved. So when I got saved, you know I didn't know any gospel music. Right? So what did I do? I put it away. I got rid of it. I had a beautiful, other, my other guitar was real beautiful. Amplifier, real nice one. And I just got it away. I, put it, I sold it, got rid of it, and I said, I'll never touch the thing, i never play. Because I only thought you played them things, you know, and that sort of thing. I didn't know, I didn't know, I was raised in a church that didn't have instruments inside the church. And so consequently, when I came to a church like this here, and I saw, well, hey, they, they play music inside the church and praise God, worship God, just like, you know, I used to do for all other things. And so I started to realize something, that it's not wrong for me to play my guitar to worship God. And it's not wrong to use the God-given talent or the ability that He gave me. See? But if, I, if that thing would get me to the place of where all I want to do is play the wrong kind of music on it, I'd get rid of it. I'd put it out. I wouldn't use it. Or develop self-control. So if you can't do the right thing with what you have, then get rid of what you have. Develop this spirit, spiritual force, self-control in your spirit... And then you could take that thing back up and it won't have any power over you any longer. So no matter what it is, in this case, these guys couldn't do it with the money. They saw the money come in. They saw the finances. A lot of men of God got an inception because of the love of money. That's right. They got into great deception. They saw that money coming in and the temptation was there and they could not handle it. Then they should have not handled the money at all. They should have had somebody else take care of that money and just been away from it. Isn't that right? And fix themselves a set salary and say, that's it. Especially if they couldn't give it back to God. So you could get into deception in two different ways. You could be poor and be deceived by riches. So the lust of other things encompasses a lot of things. Let's go on reading here. Verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, Patience, meekness, fight the good fight of faith. That's where your fight is. It is the spiritual forces that must grow in your spirit to the place that they become greater than the forces of darkness. The places where your spirit is not enlightened. You know, Paul said, pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Isn't that right? Well, enlightened means just what it says, to enlighten, to produce light. If you don't have light in a certain area, you may, in ignorance, walk according, against according to what God teaches us in His Word. You may walk in sin and not realize it. That's why the blood of Jesus Christ, if you walk in the light, the Scripture says 1 John 1, 7 through 9, if you walk in the light as He is in the light, what happens? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Not only the mistakes that you know you made, but even those that you... Through ignorance, don't realize that you did. But when you get the light on the subject, then you're required to walk in that light. Isn't that right? So we have got to be enlightened through God's Word to develop these spiritual forces. And the more knowledge you get, the more grace is multiplied. And the more God's grace that's multiplied inside your human spirit, then the more God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. 
But if you keep that darkness there and don't allow... Some people are unteachable. They won't open up them. They have, they have it all, man. They, they know it all. I mean, you know, you couldn't... Well, now, bless God, you can't tell me that God wants to heal everybody. Especially me. Well, go ahead. Be sick. God can't do anything for him. And he won't. There's nothing he can do about it. He works through his word. A person like that is full of pride and he's unteachable. And he's deceived. These people got up in the air. They got into the love of money. They coveted after the money. But don't get in a deception in that area. Let's read the rest of it. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and this profess a good profession before many witnesses. Now go on down to verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. Don't be high-minded and don't trust in your riches. That's where the snare comes. They have a double, they have that second frame of reference. They could get it with their money. Where the poor person says, I don't have the money to get it, so i got to believe God. You know, it's, it's easy to believe God. It's a lot easier to believe God when you don't got it and you don't have the capability or the ability to get it. You know, so the poor person says, well, I don't have it to get anyhow. I just got to trust God. But the rich person says, well, hey, I've got lots of money. I can just do what I, you know, pull a string here, pull a string there. I'll get it. You'll sit back and you'll have to believe God for that job. They'll just say, hey, I know so-and-so. Get him right on in. I'd rather get it by my faith. Wouldn't you? So he went on to say here, let's read it again. Verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world that they are not high-minded, nor trusted on certain riches, but in the living God who giveth us, what? All things to enjoy. See, he wasn't saying that they shouldn't have it. He was saying they shouldn't trust in it. He was saying they shouldn't abuse it. He was saying they shouldn't covet it. He was saying they shouldn't lust after it. It became an uncontrolled, unhealthy desire for them to have the money. Consequently, it was to their destruction. Let's go on and read the rest of it. They that do, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute. Look at You couldn't distribute if you didn't have it to give, could you? Ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may... That they may that they may lay hold on eternal life. I want to lay hold on eternal life, don't you? I want to grab a hold of it. I want to get all of it I can get right now while I'm here. I want to fight that good fight of faith. It's a spiritual warfare. You're not fighting against flesh and blood. You've got them wicked spirits in heavenly place. You've got all them demonic forces and evil spirits that are trying to dominate you. And I'll show you the difference between them and God. Yes, God is far greater. But they're forceful. God is not forceful. You're in this world. You're not of it, but you're in it. They are in this world. They are forceful. They force their ways upon you. And if you'll take heed to what they're forcing upon you, then you'll begin to act like them. There are so many people that they think they're so strong and so, I don't know what you want to call it, tough or something like that. Well, bless God, nobody's going to walk on me and get away with it. Sounds just like Jesus on the cross, doesn't it? But Jesus said, you love them like I love you, didn't he? No, but these demon forces, these demon spirits, they come and speak into your ear. And they start dropping in all these hints 
into your ear, into your thought life. We're going to see how they come. They come into your thought life. You begin to listen to them. You begin to act upon them. All these thoughts, you begin to act upon them. And before you know it, you begin to act like them. They begin to say, you know, that money looks good. Why don't you take a little more cut? Take more, take more, take more. And before you know it, they begin to covet it. And when they began to covet it, it became a lust to them. Then that lust drew them away from the Word of God, and they did not obey God's Word, but that lust and that desire that they had was unhealthy, unwholesome, and they enjoyed it. The devil worked, and the devil prevailed. The Word could not be productive. That's just one area. We can go into many different areas. As a matter of fact, let's go back. I said that I would take you to Deuteronomy this morning and finish off that sixth chapter. This is exactly, exactly what happened in this situation. I'm going to show you the two. I'm going to show you the two frames of reference. I'm going to show you how, when you keep God's word, you'll be prosperous. But if you get let the prosperity go to your head, then you'll be destroyed. In the sixth chapter, we read up to verse nine. We talked about keeping the word in your heart, studying it diligently, letting the word of God saturate your very mind. In verse ten, if you do what He said. If you diligently study the Word, if you teach your children the Word of God, if you meditate the Word of God, if you get up in the morning, go to bed at night, when you walk by the way, when you rise, no matter what it does, whatever you do, if you'll take the Word of God and keep it hid within your heart. Look at verse 10. And it shall be, when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land, which he swore to thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, Verse 11, And houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, and vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Then beware lest you forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now go to Nehemiah the ninth chapter. That sounds like prosperity to me, doesn't it, to you? He says, I'll fill up all your houses with all good things. I'll make sure that if you... If he, I'll tell you what, friends. Did any of you ever try to do all that word studying and staying inside the Word of God as much as you could and just put that much time and effort into the Word of God, the ninth chapter, and have any other time to do anything else? These men spend all their time. They, they taught their kids, as I said this morning, the first five books of the Bible by memory. They had to continuously be inside the Word of God. They had to stay steadfast inside that Word. There's no time for anything else. Now, what are your, what is your priorities? Where are your priorities, I should say? Where are your priorities? If you'll put God's Word first place in your life, I would say fast the television set for a year. Fast the radio for a year. Put inside your ear a cassette filled with the New Testament on tape. Get some tapes from faith teachers and teachers that you believe are teaching the truth and the Word of God and stick it in your ear. When I watched football, I used to have one game on the tube. I used to have one game on the radio and I had another game on the other radio and I could tell you what every play was going on on all three games. Every one of them. I mean it. I could tell you every player's number. I could tell you how many times they missed the ball. I could tell you how many times they scored touchdowns. I could tell you who won all the games. I could tell you who was the star. I could tell you everything about all of them. And if there was three games on the set at once and a radio here, I could turn them in between each play and watch all three games at once. 
And then the radio too. Amen. I could. Now he's saying get fanatical about the Word of God. Get the Word in your ear when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night. When you sit down and eat at the table, whatever you do, get the Word of God. Get the Word of God. When you get in your car, I got a cassette. Put the tape in. Put the tape in. Listen to the Word of God. Listen to the Word of God. That's what these people did. And that's what He's telling us to do. And they had their houses filled with all good things. You know why He says, I'll fill them up with stuff that you didn't buy or you didn't earn or you didn't fill it up with? They didn't have any time to do it. Did they? They couldn't have any time to do all that. But God has a way of making it for you when you humble yourself and put that word and trust in Him and believe. I could. Someone says, well, if I don't work 12 hours a day, I can't support my family. That's right. You keep saying that. You get in the Word of God and just work 8 hours a day and you'll support your family. God will support your family. I mean that. Hey, I know a fellow that tried it. And it's a sad thing to say. His life was set around the lust of other things. And all he would work, man, you, someone thought he was a saint. Boy, that boy worked 16 hours a day, five days a week if he could. I mean, double out, he would work a double. He worked, every, time, every time he turned around, he'd work a double. Six days a week and doubles. Maybe five doubles a week. I said, why are you doing all that? I want to buy my wife a house, new car. I want to make sure the kids have money. I want to do this, I want to do that. And you're working like that. Don't you get tired of working? Not any sleep? 16 hours a day? Working like that? Sure, I get tired. But I want to please my wife. I want to please my family. I want to help them. I want to do all this for them. I want to. I want to. I want to. Well, you know what happened to that fella? His wife left him. She said, what do I want all that without you for? Goodbye. Then he got killed in the mill where he spent all his life working and working and working. He lived down there. That's where it'll get you. And if it don't get you then, it'll get you later. I'll tell you what, it was the greatest day in my life when I learned I could work less and make less and God will still support us. And he just as good. I said, glory to God. It's amazing. He meant if you will believe and sacrifice for the Word's sake, dig diligently deep into the Word of God and let that be the first treasure of your heart. He says, oh, it won't happen tonight, friends. It won't happen tomorrow. But through diligent study and preparation of your heart, one day payday's coming. And God is going to meet all your needs. Well, here's what He did for him. Look at the ninth chapter, verse 25. And they was on fire. They had the Word in their mouth. They had the Word in their heart. Their God, they sang songs of praise. Our God is a strong God. He destroyed the enemies. He destroyed. He delivered us from the hands of the Egyptians. He did all this. He did all that. Glory be to God. Look at this 25th verse. Well, let's start back up to verse 24. So the children went in and possessed the land, and, and thou said... Doest before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave us into them their hand, into their hands with their kings and the people of the land, that they might do with them as they would. And they took strong cities and a fat land, and possessed houses full of all goods, wells, dig, vineyards, olive yards, 
fruit trees in abundance so they did eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. Boy, he's a good God. Verse 26. God kept his part, didn't he? Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against thee and cast thy law behind their backs and slew thy prophets which testified against them to turn them to thee and they wrought great provocations. Yes, friends, when you get fat on the goodness of God, then it's time to say, close the book. I've read it before. That's what they did. The word then became secondary because when they had nothing, all they had was the word. Let me tell you it to you like this. When you get, when God prospers you, and when you've got everything going well with you, then it's time to beware. It's time to stop and search your heart. Am I doing all that I did before? I should be doing more for the kingdom of God. I should be giving more. If I'm prospering more, I should give more. No matter what area that God prospers you in, it's time to do more for Him. It's time to stretch out your faith as far as it could go. Otherwise, this is what happens. You fall into the snare of the devil. They enter into the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things. And that became greater than God to them. So they cast his word aside. Now, if they, as long as they kept the word, they were abundantly blessed. Go back to Colossians, now the third chapter. As long as they kept the word in their heart, they were abundantly blessed. But when they turned their face from the Word of God, someone said, Well, I don't know why. Nothing seems to be going right for me. Have you read your Bible? No. I don't seem to get anything out of it. Well, that's why. That's why. You're not going to get anything out of it by not reading it, are you? You're not going to get anything out of it by not studying diligently and digging deep into God's Word. The lust of other things, the support of your family... The working the extra hours, the doing all this, the doing all that, the doing all this. All these things build up to this here one answer that I hear a lot of people give. I don't have any time to read the Bible. I don't have any time to study. You can't expect me to do that. I don't expect you to do that. God does. I didn't tell you to do that. He did. I am telling you what he said to do. I mean this with all my heart. He said to do it. You say, how? That's not up to me. You've got to make way. I don't care who we are. I'm speaking about myself too. We have got to make way to put his word first place in our life. If we don't, we are neglecting. We're neglecting our salvation in this word of God. Our deliverance, our prosperity, our healing. And then when the calamities come, we want to say, Lord, just bless me. It doesn't work that way. It's designed to work as the Word goes mightily in you. Colossians, the third chapter, tells you what to do. If you then be risen with Christ, seek on things above, not on things on the earth. The word seek over there means to strive after, to covet earnestly. And there's nothing... That was amazing to me about that word, strive after or covet, to covet earnestly about seeking. But when I went on to read the rest of the definition of it, I said, that's, it was striking to me. It says, by thinking. It says, strive after, earnestly, covet earnestly by thinking. I said, what? By thinking to seek 
how to do something or by thinking to seek how to obtain something. Then the next word over there is affection. Verse 2, set your affections. And the definition means to set your mind on. To set your mind on. To strive after by thinking. To earnestly, covet earnestly by thinking, thinking. It's the mind. It's the thinking process. Strive after the things of God with your mind by thinking continuously on the things of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things below. That's what he's saying. If you'll set your mind on the things above and keep your mind on the things above, he says, I'll keep you in perfect peace. The things that are here in this earth will not overcome you and overtake you. But if you don't set your mind on the things above and set your mind on the things that are happening around you now, then you're going to be destroyed and you're going to be defeated. But when I saw this here, it just opened up a new door. I said, that is the same word that's used in Matthew 6.33 where it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Set your mind. Seek. Strive after. Covet the kingdom of God by setting your mind on the things of the kingdom of God and of righteousness and all these things, he was talking about the materialistic things of this world, will be added unto you. God wants your attention. He wants our thought life. You know why? Second Corinthians. Go back there. We said in, in Mark 4.19... That these things entering into your spirit do what? Choke the word. When these things enter in. Now we're going to see how they enter in. When these things enter into your human spirit, it chokes out the word, the forces of life. It chokes out that word from receiving that light and developing that light inside your spirit. When you allow them to enter in. Now the word, we're told in 119 Psalm 130, the entrance of thy word giveth light when it enters in. But the entrance of the cares, the lusts, and the deceitfulness of riches, when they enter in, they choke out the word. This is how they enter in. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10 chapter. Let's start with verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not in this world, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. Underline three words. Thoughts. Or thought. That's in the verse 5. Every thought. Underline that thought. Imagination. Verse 5 also. And stronghold in verse 4. Thoughts. Imagination. And stronghold. Thoughts. Imaginations and strongholds. Okay, this is how the devil gets the word, gets his word inside your heart. It first 
comes as a thought. Not a stronghold. It first comes as a thought. When the thought comes, Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't take the thought saying. When you say the thought, you have taken it. When a postman drops, comes over to your house and drops over, gives you a package you signed for, it, you take it. When the thought comes to your mind, it's there, you can deal with it. If you meditate on it and speak it forth, you take that thought. If the thought comes, it feels like I'm getting the flu. You walk into the house and say, yeah, honey, it feels like I'm getting the flu. You took it. Now, you've got you to gotta bear with me right now. You've got to look into the spirit world right now. If you've never heard this before, then let your spirit, spiritual ears open up. We're talking about spiritual things. You can't see these things. You can feel them. When that thought came, it feels like I'm taking the flu. Don't take the thought by saying it feels like I feel like I'm taking the flu. You have taken that thought. Something else. You can never make your money last until the end of the month. That's a thought. That thought comes. You can't seem to get ahead in this world. You can never pay your bills. That's a thought. That thought comes. First thing you walk home is, honey, here's my paycheck. I just can't seem to make enough money to support us. I can't seem to make the money last until the end of the week. You took the thought. That thought was designed to keep your finances bound. You took the thought. You spoke it. Jesus said that in Matthew 6. Okay. The thought becomes an imagination. You went to bed at night. How are you doing this week? You, 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 the thoughts go through your mind. Your friends, when they're, you were talking to them on the street. Or in the pay line. Boy, I've never seen to seem to make enough to make ends meet. You know all the prices of food so high. You know gasoline's up so high. You know all the all these things. Just I just don't understand. I just can't seem to make my money last. Okay, you took the thought. Now you're beginning to lie down and imagine it. It becomes an imagination in your mind. You always see yourself in the hole. You never see yourself getting better. Let's talk about the condition of your body. You see yourself sick. You take that thought. You claim it. You've got it. We're not denying the fact that it's there. But if you cannot see yourself healed in your spiritual mind first, you're not going to see it in your physical body. So the thought comes. You take that thought. You begin to imagine it. And as you begin to imagine it, let's, let's go. We'll have to go back there. I want you to see this in the Word. Go back to Genesis, the 11th chapter. When you imagine these things, then you have opened up the door for the devil to allow his theories to settle down within your heart. The 11th chapter of the book of Genesis. I want to show you how this works both for you and both against you. In this 11th chapter, you remember the Tower of Babel? Let's go on down. We're not going to take time to read it all. We're going to get through this. Verse 6. They wanted to build up this tower to heaven, so on and so forth. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained, restrained from them which they have imagined to do. If man can imagine it in his mind, then man is going to do it. You say, prove it. Well, you remember a few guys... 
that said we can fly? And everybody said, ha ha, he's nuts. This guy's crazy. He thinks if man was supposed to fly, he'd have wings, they said. Well, I'd like to see them get resurrected and come back now and say we've been on the moon. Right? But somebody wouldn't let that imagination go. You know that new car you bought? You think somebody just went and zapped up something? No, it was a thought in someone's mind first. He began to sit and meditate and imagine something. And he began to see this outline of a car. And he wrote down what he saw. That house you live in, somebody had a design for it. The dress you're wearing was in somebody's thought life. In his mind, he began to imagine a new design. And what he did? He put it down on paper. And then they made the thing. Now, when you get those thoughts... And you begin to imagine those thoughts. I can't ever seem to make these kids do what I want them to do. And you see yourself like this. I can't teach them the Word of God. I just don't know what to do. I can't seem to get it across to them. Keep on saying it. Because it will go from an imagination to a stronghold. And when it goes into a stronghold, it's just what it means. The devil has got you bound up to where you are so caught up into this here, this here thought and imagination, this stronghold, that you'll never get out of that bondage unless you get the Word of God working in your life. It may get to the point that you need delivered in certain areas. That's where people get bound up. Now let's go to Ephesians no, oh, wait, before we go there, let's go to another portion of Scripture, Second Psalm. But let's just see another thought here. Thoughts come from words. Where did the word come from? If it came from the devil, you got no business listening to it. Someone says, I prayed, but it's not working out. <clears throat> Who said it wasn't working out? Huh? The devil did. I too said it wasn't working out, and you agreed. Isn't that right? How do you know it wasn't working out? Did you see it in the spirit world? How do you know that seed wasn't growing up? But when you said it's not working out, it certainly went down. Amen? That's how it works. Let's look at the second song. Why do the heathen... Verse 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? Well, what's imagining vain things? You keep imagining those things out there. You keep on keeping those thoughts inside your head. There's a lot of vain things out there. Like this. It's God's will you be sick. Oh, that's vain. That's nothing short of using God's name in vain. It's the same thing. Using that name in vain. Speaking against God. Imagining all this. You know what, pe- what image people have of their Father God? I don't even want to say it. Sometimes you just get, you know, on the inside you can just... <laughs> You get righteous indignation on the inside. You just want to scream. But people say all kinds of things. Not God's will for you to have this. Not God's will for you to do that. God did this to you. God, oh, I heard some family say, my kids got killed in a car accident and God's love did it. Oh, bite your tongue. That's vain imaginations. And they actually try, and the devil tries to put inside your mind, oh, this was a great act of God's love. All I imagine is this. Jesus of Nazareth coming to this earth. And I just see this glory. And I see a big picture. 
In this picture, I could see Jesus, the Messiah, come unto this earth. And then in the regions of hell, I could see Him destroy the devil. And then I could see Him just rise from the dead in all His glory. I could just see Him pierce the, uh, th- that grave tomb site there. I could just see Him just go off into glory and stand before the Father with His blood. And right there at the Ark of the Covenant, bow down with that blood and just sprinkle it all over. That's the image I've got. And it was the image of His love for me. And when you develop that image inside yourself, look out. When you develop the, the image of God's love inside you, it's going to be a stronghold. We're going to show you how to do it. Go back to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. These strongholds are built up by the words of your own mouth. A man is going to be destroyed by the words of his mouth. Someone says, I don't know why this is happening to me. You know what I used to say? Listen, this this will get you. You'll love it. <laughs> hey, I'm human. I had a girl just like you. I used to say every time I used to, before I preached, Honey, how come it is every time I go to preach I always have a sore throat? This is when I first got saved. I used to teach Bible study. I said, you know, honey, it ne- I believe I'm healed. I said, but it never fails. It seems like I always get attacked. I mean, I didn't take it. But I said, it seems like I always get attacked. That's how I said it. When I'm ready to preach. It don't come before, it don't come after, it comes either the day or the night before. I'm ready to preach, it seems like always something tries to get in my throat. Why is it every time I go to preach, I always get this thing in my throat? Why? Because I kept saying it. It didn't get to me, it never stopped me from preaching. But I always kept saying, honey, it never fails. Every time I go to preach, it doesn't matter where it is, it seems as though I've always, I'm always fighting this thing in my throat. You know what I finally started saying? <laughs> Wise up. Thou art taken by the words. Thou art snared by the words of thy mouth. I said, oh, honey, it doesn't matter where I preach. Not at all. I never have any problem with my throat. Glory be to God. And I won't have any more problems with my throat. And I start to wise up, see. But that's how the stronghold, it was a stronghold. It never failed. I mean, it never failed. Like I said, it, like I said, it never failed. Every time I was about to preach, I was always with the throat. I got healed many times, but I said, but, you know, it always was there. And then I put two and two together and I said, no more, Mr. Devil. I'm not dumb. We've got to use the word skillfully, like we said. Don't even say, why is it that this always happens? Because when you do that, you license it to happen. And it'll happen for you all the time. Guaranteed. Some of you remember when we always said that it, when I didn't. <laughs> but we always used to say that it rains on our Sunday school picnics. <laughs> Anybody remember that one? And sure enough, first thing they said, see, it told you it always does. <laughs> and it did. The first time we came here, amen, it did. But not anymore, <laughs> amen. But see, it becomes a stronghold. We, light, we turn around that force of righteousness and turn it over to the devil. And he says, okay, I'm, I'm going to oblige you just like that. Now look what God wants. Well, let's look at here first, the 17th verse. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles, walk in the vanity of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. There's where it all comes from. You get that blindness, that vanity in your mind, and actually he got you to a place that you just don't see the truth. You just don't begin to see the truth. Go back to 2 Corinthians 4 and we're going to tie it together. 2 Corinthians 4. Your, pla- your mind 
has got to be enlightened, not darkened. And when your mind is enlightened, some people say, uh, you, all you do is talk about words, and I don't believe this business about the words that I speak. Don't believe me. <laughs> the Word says, by, by the words of your mouth, you're taken. Thou art snared by the words of your mouth. I could go on and give you a lot more. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness therein is a breach of the Spirit. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but the tongue of the wise is health. There is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword, but the, uh, but the tongue of the wise is health. Now, we could read right on through the book of Proverbs. A man is taken by the words of his mouth. Open up your lips wide and you'll have destruction. You can read right on through all the book of Proverbs and where it talks about the words, the words, the words that you speak. Jesus said, by thy words I shall be justified, by your words I shall be condemned. But the thought I want to get across to you is this. The word produces a thought. The thought produces an imagination. The imagination produces the stronghold. The stronghold produces the reality. Whether good or whether bad. Alright? The thought produces what? The word produces the thought. The thought produces the imagination. The imagination produces stronghold. And the stronghold produces the reality of it in your life. You say it was real before. Well, it'll be a lot more real to you now. If you keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. But we're going to reverse that process. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the, underline the word, what? The image. Who is he the image of? Okay, lest the, the light of the gospel, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now back up to verse 18 of chapter 3. But we all, with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same what? All right. Image. 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 The Word produces an image. The Word will give you the thought. The thought produces the image. The image, as you see yourself as Christ is, as you begin to imagine, as you begin to reason in your mind who you are in Christ, it produces a stronghold. And the stronghold of who you are in Christ, someone said to me, you know, don't you believe that God did this and God did that and God made somebody sick? I said, no, I don't believe it. I'll never believe it because it's a stronghold in my life. Somebody might get swayed. But I got to the place that divine healing is a stronghold in my life. I don't believe that God will put sickness on anybody, any way, any shape, any form, any, anyhow. And He won't do it. And that is so strong in my spirit. You never take it away from me. You can say all you want. I don't care. Hallelujah. I know God doesn't do it. I didn't say we're perfected in it yet, but bless God, I know He doesn't do it because it's a stronghold. And Mr. Devil, no, He can't come to me and take that out from my heart. I got changed. I began to imagine myself with no sickness and disease. How? I took a word by stripes I'm healed. I began to think the thought. I began to imagine the imagination. And Jesus is, is the image. Now go to Romans 8, 29, and I'll tell you what, this will get you to shouting. 
It will. It will. The confession of God's Word. See, here's where they missed it. It goes like this. The first process of confessing the Word doesn't necessarily mean that all the time you're confessing that Word, results are coming instantly. The process of confessing the Word in the beginning of your walk is to get your heart right. To take out all the garbage and to allow the Word to get a good place. The love in you, the joy in you, the peace like we talked about this morning. Get all that stuff in your spirit. When all that stuff gets in your spirit, then you go speaking forth that Word, that rhema of God. And then you'll watch it happen in your life. Look at verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image. The image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The image. Taken the image. When you confess God's Word, it builds an inner image inside your spirit of who you are in Christ. I have been saying this, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm born of His Spirit. I'm born again. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I speak with other tongues. And I've got an image of myself. And I've, just like you have, we've already experienced that. But I didn't stop in there. I keep on saying, I'm healed by the stripes on Jesus' back. I see myself healed. I see myself whole. I, and I'm building up an inner, inner image. Sickness and disease can't stay in my presence. I don't want it around me. Glory to God. You're building an inner, inner image. You're being changed day by day by day. But most people don't understand the process. So one day, I'm healed. Next day, I'm sick. And it's like a yo-yo, back and forth, back and forth. Well, one day you're going to wake up and start saying this, I refuse to say I'm sick anymore. I refuse to say that I can't get my needs met. I refuse to say anything but what God's Word says about me. And when you do, the image starts to come. The image starts to come. I'm more than a conqueror. Some people say, why do you confess the Word so much? I'm more than a conqueror. I got to the point that that's all I tell anybody anymore. I am more than a conqueror. Why? Because that image is being built up. I'm beginning to imagine myself as more than a conqueror. Any circumstance of life that comes against me, go be to God. My God is greater. He's greater that's in me than he that's in the world. And it's building an inner image on the inside of my spirit. And the Word is producing light inside my spirit. And that image is being a stronghold inside my spirit. And what it does, you might as well forget it, devil. Build up your own stronghold. You know what? I, I didn't think a thought about the devil when I said all that. <laughs> not, not one thought. Not one thought. Keep your mind stayed on Him. You'll be in perfect peace. You keep your mind speaking that Word of God. It's when you settle down and start to listen to what He has to say. It's when He starts to build up His strongholds in your, in your life. You say, but it's not working yet. Who said it's not working yet? Forget what you see with your eye for a minute. Forget that. Go over there. Look at, you're in a fourth, go back to 2 Corinthians 4th chapter. And look at the, I, was, I like to tie all this stuff in, in, in here. 2 Corinthians 4. We said that, okay, let, let's, let's read right on through this. 
He talked about that Jesus is the image. We're changing to the image as we begin to imagine ourselves in the same as he is. But verse 7 says, but we have this treasure, this deposit in earthly vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Yeah, it's in this earthly vessel. How did it get in there? We talked about this morning. I want to get deeper into it. Maybe Wednesday. But we spoke the word. The word entered in. We spoke the word. The entrance of that word given life. We spoke it and we heard it. We spoke it and we heard it. We spoke it. It wasn't a reality. It wasn't a reality. Let's talk about your healing for a minute. I know that when you start speaking it, it's not a reality at that moment. But you're saying it and you're saying it and you're developing an image. An image. An image. An image. An image. And whatever it is. Whatever you couldn't do before you had your ailment, just begin to imagine yourself doing that very thing. And program your mind and keep your mind stayed on that fact. Keep depositing these thoughts inside your spirit. Keep depositing that word inside your heart. And you'll begin to imagine it and imagine it. One day, it'll be a stronghold, and that's when faith makes connection, and you're healed, just like that, or delivered. But we got it in an earthly vessel. Look what Paul said. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in you, but life in. But life, I'm sorry, but death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up Jesus, the Lord Jesus, shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Go on down to verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen. While we look not at the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or subject to change. But the things that are not seen are eternal. You can't take that away. The, the words that you're speaking, they're eternal words. The life that you're speaking, it's eternal life. The things that you see are temporal. It is subject to change, but the word's not subject to change. When he says you're healed, that word can't change. Your circumstance may change, but that word cannot change. Your circumstance is subject to change. If you're sick, keep on saying, I'm healed. I'm healed. I believe I'm I believe I receive my healing. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And build up that inner, inner image. You'll be changed and changed and changed and changed and changed and changed. And one day, glory to God. Your circumstance was subject to change and you're healed. That's how it works. Build up that stronghold. Build up that inner image inside your spirit man by speaking the word. And as you speak that word over and over and over and over and over, but while you're speaking it, you can't negate the word by saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Forget what you see for the time being. Purpose to develop your spiritual man. Take the fruit of the Spirit. Search them through the Scriptures. Find out what they are. Find out what the Word says about love. 
Develop inside your spirit. Find out what the Word says about patience. Develop in your spirit. Find out what the Word says about all the fruit of the Spirit. Develop that in your spirit. Your spirit will become a good place to grow fruit. No matter what it is. Well, we wanted to get into wisdom. We wanted to get into the verse 20. But we didn't do it. The good heart. This is the good heart. You know, that was a lot of work just to get to the good heart. But I'll tell you what, there's not a soul out there that doesn't have to go through it all. He said labor to enter into this rest. And he meant labor. There's no question in my mind about it. If you're going to sit back, you know, I, I never read it in the Word of God. It says we have time to rest until we enter the rest. He said labor to enter the rest. But once you enter the rest, look out. You know what's rest? Imagine this. That little tree, that little seed had to do a lot of work before it became a tall apple tree planted by a nice little river of water. And it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew. But one day it got fully grown. And it just sat by the water. And there was no problem for it to produce apples. It just stood there. And just as sure as the world, when the springtime came and the blossoms came and the time of the, the fruit became, came and then the harvest came, the apples were there. The apples were there. When you develop your spirit and the word inside your heart, that that word is dripping off you, it's flowing, it's dwelling in you richly in all wisdom. And your heart is saturated with the love, all the fruit of the Spirit. Your heart is so ready for the Word of God that any seed that goes in there produces fruit. You'll be like that tree by the rivers of water. Just like that same tree. It will be no effort on your part. Yep, the tribulation will come and the trials will come and all the things. But the Word says, and they, they all beat vehemently against that house. But the house could not fall. Could not fall. Impossible because it was founded and grounded on the Word of God. Doing the Word of God. Now we're going to show the process. Like I said, we're taking our time. We're going to take it slow. We're going to show the process in depthly. How to get that Word. How to get into your spirit. How to become skillful with the Word. How to recognize every attack of the devil and exactly what he does. Get the wisdom of God in it. Get the fruit of the Spirit inside your heart and begin to develop that. Use it. Let it dominate your life. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And as you do, I'm sincere, brothers and sisters. I believe that when you won't seek the prosperity because you'll have the power source. You have the power of all the source. You have all the silver and cattle, you know, gold, everything. You got them. He's yours. The greatest thing about this is, and I, I say to the fullest, is that you will actually learn who your father is. You'll have an intimate relationship with Him. You'll be so close with Him that it'll be just like a little girl walking up to their daddy and saying, Daddy, give me this. Or, and I like this better, it'll be just like that same little girl walking up to her daddy and daddy's saying, Honey, what do you want? And she says, Oh, I don't want anything. I just came here to love you. All my needs are met. You've already supplied them. I could just see us walking inside that throne room. 
walking up to our Father. What do you need? What do you want? Father, I know you as shepherd. I don't want anything. I just came to love you. Just to lift up my hands in praise and say thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for his blood. Thank you for eternal life. I am content, Father, because I know you as my comforter, as my shield, as my reward, as my healer, as everything, as my all in all. Thank you, Father. That's where we're growing to. Continue in my word. Let's bow our heads. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.